Hey there, friends. Jay Revel here. Welcome to an extra special edition of Mid-Am Crisis. On uh, this week's show, um, I've got my absolute favorite golfer of all time. His name is Ed Bates, uh, but more affectionately known in my family as Gramps. Uh, for those of you who have uh, read and followed some of my work over the years, you'll recognize Gramps as uh, one of the leading characters in in my golf story, Gramps is the person who uh, taught me the game, uh, taught me a lot about life, too, uh, over the years. Uh, and today is his 87th birthday. Uh, we uh, recorded this uh, show um, <laughs> as he's you know plotting out his week ahead. He plays four days a week still, which is incredible. Still uh, shoots his age probably 60-70% of the time. Uh, he is absolutely my golfing hero in every way, shape, and form, uh, and just a, a real wise sage, uh, again, for all things golf and life and everything in between. And um, I had a, the thought the other day to, to sit down and record a conversation with him. Um, you know, again, he's, he's one of my favorite people on the planet, and he was good enough to clear his busy schedule. Uh, it gave me a little bit more than an hour of conversation. Um, we talked a lot about his life and how he learned how to play the game of golf and what it was like uh, working as a, a small-town club professional for 35 years, um, what it was like uh, teaching people like me the game in our small town and a lot of other kids and, and really creating a golf culture in a, in a place that, uh, uh, if it weren't for him, probably wouldn't have one. And... Um, it was just a wonderful conversation, something that um, one day when I'm old and gray, I, I hope to be able to go back and listen to again and think very fondly of him. I, I love him just absolutely more than anything. He's a great man. He's always been a, a, a wonderful you know, husband to my grandmother, a great father to my mom and my uncle, and, and just an incredible grandfather to me and my brother and uh, my cousin. And he's just a just a wonderful gentleman. And I thought uh, it might be fun to mix things up here on his birthday, have him on the show and give you all a little bit of a, uh, an opportunity to, to hear a little bit about his life uh, straight from his mouth um, and, and get his perspective on this game that we all love. Um, I don't know if you'll all enjoy it as much as I did, but, uh, but he's a good man and, and, and he's got some good stories to tell. And it really paints a picture of just how different the world was when he grew up and um, and and what it's like still playing golf uh, through a lot of changes in the world and um, still loving it even today. Um, but again, Gramps, uh, if you've ever read my book or read some of the stories that I've, that I've written over the years, you'll, you'll, you've heard his name. You've, you've, you're probably familiar with the impact he's had on my life. And one of the things that I always hear from people when they read a story about Gramps is that um, most people have somebody like Gramps in their life, someone who taught them the game, someone who spent an awful lot of time with them. Sometimes they're family, sometimes they're, they're close friends, but the world needs a lot of Gramps, and the golf industry needs a lot of people like Gramps who are, are, are true um, uh, advocates for the game, uh, true disciples for the game, people who are uh, comfortable preaching it and sharing it with others and um, – exclaiming the things that make the game great and and he's always been that for me and uh i think this conversation paints a, a little bit of picture there you'll have to 
forgive uh, a few probably technical difficulties uh, that pop up. You know, again, he's he's 87, and I think it took about half the town of Havana to get the call set up just right to work. Uh, but we got it done, and it was a lot of fun. And um, I think this conversation will be something that I will personally go back and listen to. And uh, for what it's worth, the advice I'd give you is if you got someone like Gramps in your life, give them a call and have a conversation with them about golf or whatever uh, you hold near and dear as much as you can. I love having these chats with them and uh, we do so fairly regularly. And uh, this one, you all just get the chance to listen in on. So without further ado, uh, here's Gramps. Hey Gramps. Hey Jay, what are you up to buddy? I just got back in town from uh, taking the girls to, Pensacola, go see my in-laws for a few days. That's good. What uh, <clears throat> What's going on in the big city of Havana today? Well, it's uh, overcast, and it's, it, we're about to have some bad weather, I think. It's on the way. It'll uh, get here within the next hour or two, I think. Yeah, hopefully that won't mess you up for uh, golf uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow. Golf tomorrow. That's right. On my birthday. That's a, that's, that's, I couldn't think of a more perfect way to spend it. I know it. <clears throat> that, uh, how many guys y'all get out there for the Tuesday group nowadays? If we got good weather, we'd probably get, uh, 30 in that uh, neighborhood. Yeah. Not too bad. Well, hopefully y'all will, uh, get some sunny skies and be able to get out there and do it. Yeah. <clears throat> so let's see. You're going to be, uh, 87 tomorrow, right? 87 yep just a just a couple of years there from uh big nine oh yep i'm gonna celebrate when i hit 90 <laughs> as you should <laughs> uh so let's see what year that would have put you what year were you born 34 1934 and you right were born in, in about the middle of the depression and were you born in atapulgas I was down born. I was born in Atapulgas, and I'm pretty sure I was born at home. What? Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure I was. What was the What was home like? Where Where you were born? Well, it was. Uh, we lived in a an old house, a big old house with a, a lot of rooms in it, and a big hallway down the middle. And uh, the we didn't pay any rent because the old, we had we took care of an old lady that owned the house, hmm. and and we didn't have have to pay any rent. Uh, anyway, and uh, this I rem we lived there until I was seven years old, and then we moved to a house that had electricity. And it also had running water. And uh, that was the first time we had ever had either one of those. We had, we, we had a well out in the backyard in the first house. And we had lamps for, for uh, lights. And, uh, you know, kerosene lamps. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that's, that's all we knew. That's all we had. And... Uh, I remember one uh, day when my daddy left for work 
and early in the morning about daylight and uh in a in an hour or two we saw him walking he used to walk through the woods to a place where he worked and uh, we saw him coming back and he said there was not any work today didn't have a work any work today so that's the kind of life we lived back then but we always had plenty to eat <laughs> and uh <laughs> uh we had we had a uh a uh, garden and we had a smokehouse and uh, all that. Anyway, we, all, we never did run out of anything to eat. What, uh, what kind of work was your dad doing back then? He was just a laborer. He, he worked for uh, uh, the, uh, a mining company that mined uh, Fuller's Earth. And uh, I think it's also known as Adipulgite. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a, 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 a clay that when it's dried and everything it's uh, it it absorbs uh, grease and oils and uh, it's used in in uh, the the oil business uh, somehow I don't know and and it's all also makes a good uh, uh, kitty sweet kitty litter mm. makes a good kitty litter. Anyway, had, that's what he did. He he, was, oper, he operated one of the machines in in, in that uh, uh, plant down there. Now, how did he get to um, later? Right, he was working at the, the the company had a golf course there, right in uh, Atapulgas. There's the the company owned a nine hole golf course that they built. Uh, in the during the depression, they built it with uh, WPA labor, I think. Uh, uh, anyway, it was cheap labor, fit like fifty cents an hour, or might have been fifty cents a day. I don't know, but anyway, that they built built a nine hole golf course, and uh, for and it was used by the people that that worked there, and there was a, a little club that was formed and. They had a clubhouse, and uh, anyway, that's how that's that was where I first played golf. Besides, uh, out behind my house, my uh, we moved to another house, and and uh, uh, when I was seven years old, we moved to another house, and then and my daddy still worked for that company, but they made him a deputy sheriff that looked after all of their land holdings. We, he had to, and, and he looked after their uh, labor force too. Anyway, <clears throat> so, and out behind the house where we lived was, was a lot of uh, gra- grassy area, uh, meta, you know, uh, I guess you'd call it. Uh, and in those days, uh, cattle cows everybody had a milk cow and cows roamed wherever they wanted to go there was no fences they were not you had to fence them out if you didn't want them and uh anyway that was where i played learned to play golf i had somebody had given me an old club i think it was about a five iron that had the the grip had been broken so it was shorter and I made me a, 
a grip to go on it and and that's i played golf out behind my house with that club and i think when i was probably about 10 or 11 years old i started caddying and i cat i got to be a regular caddy for a man that played two three times a week and uh, anyway i think about I was probably 11 or 12 when I got me some old, got me a little set of clubs, an old set, a few clubs, and uh, was allowed to play on the golf course. And uh, been playing ever since. (laughs) What was the name of the club up there, Grant? It was called uh, Crescent Lake Country Club. And... uh, it was built around uh, a lake that was that they called Crescent Lake, and it was where on where the an old mine had they had mined out all the clay and and uh, filled that uh, mine hole with with a, they had a stream running into it and a dam on one end of it. It was a nice little lake and uh, had it had good fish in it. It was good fishing. Anyway, that was the name of it, and uh, we uh, they they had a uh, they had a big turn a big tournament there every Labor Day, a one day tournament that that lasted all day long, and it was a a uh, match play tournament. You played nine whole matches and. And you had eight people to a flight. And you, the first uh, round, you eliminated four, and they went into the losers bracket. And then the second match uh, was a, was a was a losers was a go home match. If you lost your second match, you went home. But the uh, the third match was was for the the prizes. And you had a winner and a runner-up and a consolation. And the consolation was the was the winner out of the lo- the people that lost the first match. Anyway, it was a lot of fun, and a lot of people came and had a big time that day. And uh, who did you play in that? I seem to remember you told me a story once about a Pretty famous uh, young lady you actually ended up playing against. Oh, yeah. Uh, let me think. Uh, my memories. Uh, was it was it was it Mary Lena? Falk? Yeah, that's who it was. Mary Lena Falk was she was the uh, amateur, the ladies amateur champion of the USA. Uh, back then, I don't remember exactly what year it was. But I drew her in a match, and we both wound up shooting 40 on the, the nine holes. And then I birdied the, the first hole of the playoff. And, and I, I still have that scorecard, and, and she signed the scorecard. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I was, I was what, proud of that. <laughs> I bet you were. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty cool. You told me about once how that was a 
big event. They had big big fish cooking going on oh, yeah. up there, and the whole town was out there for it. Oh, yeah. People came from all over to come enjoy golf that day. Yep, even the, the even the PTA uh, sold uh, sandwiches and drinks out there and uh, and made money for the PTA. So it was a it That's was a, it was a, a a town affair. What uh, when you were caddying out there uh, back in those days? What'd you make for a day's work of caddying? I got uh, a dollar for 18 holes and uh, and a coca-cola at the turn and another coca-cola at the end so it was about that was a dollar and 10 cents the coca-cola was a nickel then and uh, and and what uh, how far would a would a dollar take you back then if you were going where where would you spend that dollar well i one way that i would spend in that dollar was uh, I could catch a, a train that was about a hundred yards from my house. I was the depot, and I could get on a an old train that they, that was called the Butthead, and it was a uh, they carried the mail and it had one coach for passengers, and the Butthead ran from uh, Tallahassee to Cuthbert, Georgia, and and back up. They made the round trip every day. And for 35 cents, I could buy a round trip ticket to Havana, Florida, which is where I live now, which was 12 or 15 miles south of out of Paulus. And uh, I could get into the movie theater for I think it was 11 cents. Somehow they had put a penny tax on it. And I could get uh, popcorn and a drink for a nickel apiece. And when I got out of the the uh, movie, I could go by the drugstore and get me something there. And I could get home and still have a few cents left out of that dollar. That's a pretty good day. Yep. So actually, I was getting paid to do that. Now, if it was all available, would would cost probably uh, twenty dollars, twenty five dollars, twenty or twenty five dollars. <laughs> so I was getting paid pretty good, really. Yeah, think about wasn't it. too bad. <laughs> and I'd caddy. I would. This man uh, that I caddied for, his wife was my fifth grade school teacher. And sometimes she'd let me out of school early to go caddy for him. So I, I usually caddied at least twice a week, maybe sometimes more than that. Uh, anyway, did you uh, did you get hooked on the game doing that? Would you say? Oh, I was probably hooked on the game um, by the time I was before I could even play on the on the course out there I was pretty much hooked on it and I got got to where I could play pretty good and that that made me hooked even more and uh uh it's uh, and I'm still hooked on it and uh, most a lot of people that I have known when they get older and get to where they can't play as well they they give up the game 
but I, I'm still, I'm, I'm just, I don't care. It's not important to me to win. What's important to me is do as good as I can. <clears throat> it's a good game. It is a good game. What, what kind of player were you when you got to be close to the end of high school? Uh, I was, I was probably, well, on that course, I was scratch. I, I shot under par all the time out there. But when I was, say, 16 years old, 15 or 16 years old, I, I shot under par all the time on that course. But, of course, that was the only course I ever played. Uh, he's playing a few of the, once in a while, I'd play in a in a junior tournament somewhere, or maybe at Capital City Country Club. Uh, it seemed like I played in a junior tournament there a time or two. Uh, never did win the tournament, but uh, but I played all right in it. Um, and then when it came time to uh, wrap up, well, let's see. In high school, y'all won you and. Bill Herring and the gang, y'all won a state championship, didn't We you? did the Class C state championship, and it was in uh, somewhere near Atlanta, Georgia, that we played. It was a big trip. Our, uh, our uh, school master took us up there on the trip, and uh, we had fun. And I think I shot I shot in the seventies that day. I don't remember what, maybe seventy four or something like that. It was just a one day affair. Well, I'm sure y'all had a good time going and doing oh, that. Oh, we did. <clears throat> um so when when high school got to kind of winding down, uh you went off and uh, or let's see, I guess you were, were you in the junior ROTC in high school or how did that work? I know you went into the ROTC. There was no ROTC in high school. That, not okay. in that high school. I, uh, I took a, a, a competitive test to, for a, a Navy scholarship, Navy ROTC scholarship. I think they still have the program. Uh, anyway, uh, and I was selected as an alternate. And um, I had already made uh, plans to go to college at Georgia Teachers College, which is what the name is, Georgia Southern now. And uh, I got a, a, a letter of, of, what do you call it when you get one you, that they really want you to get, a special delivery letter? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the guy that had that was the uh, the the prime that had the scholarship decided not mm-hmm. to take it, and it was at the university, and it, and I was the first alternate, and if I wanted it, to I needed to get everything going, so I got everything in gear, and that's where I went to, to college. What was uh, what was it like the first time you got out to Oxford? Uh, well, the first thing you do is you get out of, off of the bus. That's that's the transportation you use to get there. They didn't have any airports and train stations there. You you went in on a, a Greyhound bus, and uh, when you got off the bus in Oxford, there was a 
a taxi cab there and they were, they had lots of taxi cabs that ran from the campus to downtown which was like a mile mile and a half or something like that <clears throat> and uh i got a, got on the in that taxi cab and they took me out there to my dormitory and there was a group of people there that uh they said freshman you need a haircut and uh <laughs> I, and they said <laughs> Anyway, that they they were they cut my hair, and they said now it, it's ugly. So you need to go down to Carl Kura's shop there and and get you a little cap to keep it covered up with, which is called a rat cap. And mm-hmm. uh, anyway, so and but I met I met these people that cut my hair, and they were sophomores, and that's who who did all the haircutting and and. Uh, so they, uh, I, that was one way I met some, the first people I met when I got to the campus was those people that gave me a haircut. And, uh, I think it was a good thing that they did. And, uh, after, after about three, four, six months, I could, uh, comb my hair again and didn't have to wear that rat cap. <laughs> uh, but um, that was uh, an experience. And I, I tell you what, uh, this is a good story here. Uh, on the way out there, I, my bus got to Tupelo, Mississippi, and I had to change buses there. So I had to get off and got my, my, my uh, trunk and and waited for the next bus, and this was before daylight in the morning, Just and just about good daylight, this other bus pulled up, and, and I got on it, <clears throat> and when we got out of uh, Tupelo, we got onto a, a road. It was paved, but there was only one lane. It was a one-lane road all the way to Oxford, and... Uh, it was a new it was a new highway they were were, were building at that time and uh if the bus met met another vehicle he had to pull two two wheels off the pavement and the other vehicle pulled two off the pavement and that's the way they passed anyway i and i thought i said boy i'm really getting going out in the in the, <laughs> in the boonies somewhere but it, it wasn't it turned out fine it it was great. Now, um, did you get to play any golf uh, during your time out in Oxford? I did not, uh, other than uh, my one of my best friends, uh, uh, a, a man named uh, I can't think of his name right now. Anyway, he was on the golf team. He was from uh, Clarksdale, Mississippi. And uh, he and he played on the golf team, and I was a good friend of his. And every once in a while, I would play out there with them in practice rounds. And uh, we used to play for money, and uh, I used to win playing with them. I played out of his bag. And uh, one day after we played, they said uh, – 
let's all go up to Mustilis restaurant and eat a steak. Well, I had money. I had won money, so I had money. I got paid money from the Navy. Um, uh, every I got $50 a month from them, and they paid all my uh, uh, school expenses. Anyway, uh, I, w- I was feeling pretty flush with, with the, my winnings, and uh, so we went up there and uh, – had it, we had seat a couple of tables where we sat, and uh, the the waitress came to me and uh, she said, "What do you have?" And I was looking at the menu, and it said uh, charbroiled steaks. It, no, no, it said broiled steaks. And uh, I said, "I think I'll have a, a club steak. I believe that's what was on the menu there." And uh, she said, okay, and how would you like it cooked? And that threw me because the only, <laughs> only way I'd ever had steak before was country fried steak. And I knew that was, was wrong, so I said, I think I'll let you broil mine. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she said, and then she said, no, she thought I was kidding her. And uh, <laughs> I was serious. And uh, she said, uh, no, I mean, do you want it well done or rare or what? And uh, I said, I, I guess well done. And that was wrong. You ought never to, <laughs> yeah. you ought never to order a well done steak. <laughs> anyway, That's so funny. But it was, uh, but then, I, you know, I, I was learning. I never, I, I never, I don't remember if I'd ever eaten in a restaurant before that time. And, uh, but anyway, that's, uh, uh, I'll tell you another good story about those times that uh, when I w- had taken the, uh, test for the, for the scholarship, I was notified that I needed to go to Jacksonville to the Naval Air Station out there and, and talk to a, uh, a, a high-ranking officer, so I had to go to Jacksonville, which I did on a bus, and uh, I, uh, when I got off the bus, I looked down the down the street and I saw this. I think it was a Mayflower Hotel. If that, it doesn't matter. Ain't if it was a big hotel, not too far down there. And I went down there and. Uh, and uh, to get a room, and I went in there, and it was wall-to-wall people in there. And I finally worked my way up to the desk, and they told me they did that all their rooms were taken, but that if I'd go down the street to the Robert Meyer Hotel, that uh, I could probably get a room. But let me back up a little bit. When I got to that Mayflower Hotel, I walked up to the door and put my hand out to take the door and open it and the door opened automatically and that that was something i never heard of before never seen before <laughs> anyway I, I i went on down to the robert meyer and got a, a room and i noticed a little things on a on a stand there it was a little tv set and i'd never had seen one of those before and uh, so I got me a room, and and I went got got me a bath, and went went out and got me a 
<clears throat> probably a hamburger. I don't remember. And when I came back, <clears throat> I got a seat in front of that TV set, and I watched it until until they played the national anthem at midnight. <laughs> and that was my first first knowledge of of television. <clears throat> That's amazing. So that would have been what, probably about late forties. Well, let's see. I was seventeen years old, thirty-four, forty-four, fifty-one. That would have been yeah, fifty-one. Okay. Gotcha. Um, so let's see. What year did you graduate from Ole Miss? Uh, fifty-five. Fifty-five. And uh, when you got out of Ole Miss, you came back here. Uh, and uh, what happened? Well, then? I did. I I got. I got discharged from the Navy in my senior year because of, of a kidney stone. And mm-hmm. so I, when I, when I graduated, I only had to pay my own way at Ole Miss for the last semester of my senior year. Anyway, I came back and I got a job at that, uh, same place that my daddy was working at when, uh, and uh, as an accountant, a cost accountant, and I worked there for about ten years. And uh, the the course here in Havana had been built and opened up, and uh, the the pro had uh, taken a job somewhere else up in Georgia. And the job was open, and it was offered to me by the members. And uh, I had uh, two little babies, and uh, we had we let them we let them vote on it, and it was unanimous. We, <laughs> it was unanimous for me to take the job, which I did, and uh, been here and. And I worked it for 35 years and finally retired about 21 or two years ago. And, uh, and, and they, they were good enough to give me a lifetime uh, freebie to play golf. <laughs> and, uh, and I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> I play about four days a week. So all those all those years working out there at the the golf course in Havana, uh, you met a lot of interesting characters coming and going uh, through there. Uh, how'd you like that job for thirty five years? Oh, I years? loved it. I really did. I, um, and I still, you know, I'm still out there almost every day. Uh, but I liked talking to people. And you, uh, I tell you, uh, a golf pro can has to be a lot of things uh with people i mean they they'll ask you for uh, advice on life and all kind of things you know and marriages <laughs> i i've i've been a marriage counselor before <laughs> all kind of things anyway it's it was a lot of fun working with people and uh that's that's a good part of life is is something where you work with people Makes you live longer. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Well, you know, you talked, to, you, you mentioned you had two babies, obviously mom and yeah, Uncle Ben and in there. In, and, that was in uh, 1960, 
four. So, so Ben was three, and your mom was about fifty-eight, six, five, five or six. Five. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, they are. They both voted and, for me uh, to take the job. <laughs> I'm glad they did. It worked me out pretty too. well for all of us. Um, what about uh, you know you talk about all the different roles a golf pro serves? What about uh, raising the, raising kids out there and teaching the kids of the town how to play golf? Well, we came up came up with some pretty good players that came out of that club over those 35 years, and I like to think I had a lot to do with it. Uh, I, I used to have a, 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 a during the summer I had a, a one day a week that I met with them and uh, I had an old uh, TV camera whatever you call those old ones that you big old heavy things and I'd set mm-hmm. it up out there and film and take each each child and uh, let them hit some balls and and critique them and tell them what they needed to do change what they needed to change, and then I'd come when we all can't got done I'd come back to the clubhouse and hook that uh, camera up to the to the TV set in in there and uh, and we'd all watch it or they'd all watch it particularly and. Uh, it was it was a lot of fun. I I did that for for years, years and years. New new crop every year. New crop of kids every year, and uh, <laughs> that was uh I don't know. Well, well, uh, I one of the one of the uh, kids that I had was was Ben, my son, and he wound up being a tour player for four years what was what was that like watching ben develop and and get to that point where he made it out there on tour for a while we uh it was great Uh, in fact uh, one of the one of the best rounds of golf most memorable rounds of golf that i've ever been associated with was he was 14 years old almost 15 but it was still 14 and uh the uh high school uh regional tournament or whatever was was being played at cap city country club and i got a chance to to get a couple hours off and drive down there and watch him and when i got there he was coming off the ninth hole and he looked at me and he put two fingers up and up in the air and that meant that he was two over and I watched him play 10 and he bogeyed it and I watched him play 11 and he bogeyed it and I watched him play 12 and he birded it and I watched him play 13 and he birded it and I watched him play 14 and he made a, a super shot out of a pile of rubble down on old stump hole down there and onto the green and got his par and he birded 15 and he hit past the green on 16 
and he hit a chip shot down there that went in the hole for a birdie. And that's when I had to leave. And uh, I got the word later on that he had parred 17 and he was on the green putting for a birdie on 18. And the boys told him if he made that putt, he'd be in a, in a tie for first place. And he made the putt for the birdie. And the four of them, four or five of them, all went to, to the next hole. And uh, he birdied it and won the tournament. And uh, that, I, I call that a, a great round of golf. <laughs> that was a good you, round you of go, golf. Go from, uh, go from uh, four over par with seven holes left and wind up one under and, and a tie for the first place. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. No, Not easy to do. But anyway, um, you know, late. He, uh, go ahead. Yeah. It was I enjoyed very much. Uh, he he. We used his mama used to carry him in the summertime to all the all the junior tournaments. He played in all the junior tournaments and won most of them at one time or another. And anyway, it was it was a lot of fun. What um, you know whether you're talking about, you know, someone from the neighborhood or, or even Ben or, you know, even later me, um, when you're teaching the game of golf to somebody, what are the kind of things you try to, you try to get them to understand about the game well, very early? A grip is certainly one of them. I mean, you, you, you need to develop a, a grip that you can hang on to the club with without uh, gripping without you know choking it to death and uh you need to turn your your grip your hands into uh the a, a ball joint so that they operate like a ball joint like it, if if you like your like your hip joint works you know your arm joint you know a ball joint and that means so you can mm -hmm. swing the club. In fact, I like to use the word sling. When you're talking about swinging the club, you sling it. And, uh, and it's timing is, is, the, is the biggest key to it, to doing it in rhythm, rhythm and timing. And, uh, but you got to, if you're starting at zero, you got to just, I think one of the first things you do is just get them to be able to, to stand up and sling the club back and sling it through. And whether you're trying to hit, hit or not, it, you, you, not trying to, not even trying to hit a ball, just slinging the club, get that movement with you, using your body to, to help you sling the club. And it's, if you think about uh, the golf swing, it's very much like water skiing. You know, if the boat's pulling, pulling you, you can on water skis. You can pass that boat, and its centrifugal force is what you're using, and that's the same thing you're using in the golf swing. Is centrifugal force. <clears throat> when um, 
when you start working with, you know, maybe more advanced players, what are some things that you see that, you know, are common, you know, through your career were common mistakes or things that people ought to be trying to do and that maybe separate, you know, a, a decent player from a really good player? Hmm. Uh, probably the the thing that, that well, of course, the the tour players now hit it hit the ball three hundred and fifty yards, and uh, they do that by club head speed. And the way the the way you develop that club head speed is that centrifugal force that I'm talking about. And uh, you mm-hmm. you probably understand that yourself. Uh, it, and you you're not. You you uh you got to have time. You got to have that that speed at the right time. And uh, most a lot of people will hit early. They'll uh, pull the trigger before before they get to the bottom of the swing. And uh, anyway, I set and set up setup is you know aim a lot of people don't don't aim where they should and uh i don't know uh <laughs> i think i think my favorite drill you always had me do when i was a kid oh, was yeah. swing the broom i've forgotten about that that's right just take a take a <laughs> stick broom and that's where you'll develop some of this uh, centrifugal force because you almost got to to swing that broom you got to do it right you got to take it back and let it cock and then pull it and it does, at the right time you got to sweep sweep it uh, at the right time and finish it finish that broom all the way around and another another uh, a good along those same lines if you'll uh, take a golf club and make your backswing and then uh, pretend that you if you're right-handed make your backswing and then pretend you're left-handed and make a backswing that way so you finish you finish is the same as the backswing on a le- on the left-hander so you got a backswing mm-hmm. and a backswing it's what you got. I mean, that's a good drill. Yeah. Um, you know, earlier you were talking about uh, Grandma taking Ben around as a kid, and I know she helped oh, yeah. you out a lot of years uh, up there at the pro shop. Would Would you call her your certainly assistant would, pro? But she didn't. She didn't get paid. <laughs> she just helped me. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. How 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 important was uh, was having very, her help up there? All very year? important, very important. That's she would uh, come out there and uh, a lot of times on Saturday morning, and Saturday would be a busy busy day, and and she'd give me a uh, thirty or forty five minutes off to go somewhere and get some breakfast. <laughs> that was otherwise I w- I'd had to eat snacks. Anyway, she it was very important for her to uh, to be there. She 
was probably it, she might have been more important than I was. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's usually the case for true. most true, married true. men. Uh, how? Uh, tell me the story about how you how you met her. Um, we were there was me and some of my buddies were at a at a drive-in in Tallahassee, and this little Model A Ford, now this was when I was, I'll say, 21, 22 years old, which would have been uh, 50, late 50s. Yeah. Well, I married her in 56, so it would have been about 55, 56. Anyway, <clears throat> there was this little Model A that was full of girls was pulled through there and we got to talking to him and I saw this girl in the in the sitting in the back seat that had big old blue eyes and uh, a good looking thing and I said well I got to figure out some way to get a date with her and this boy that I knew that lived in Havana got me a date with her and said we'll double we were going to double date and when I got to his house that night, uh, he was gone. He wasn't even at home. So and I didn't know where she lived. So she was, I had to stand her up. And uh, so, but the next day I, I came to Tallahassee, I mean to uh, Havana, and I kept looking until I found her. And, uh, and she, she forgave me. <laughs> and, uh, from then on, we were about steady. Well, that's funny. Uh, and uh, and still, and still going, going steady. steady. That's it. Um, you know, y'all, you know, obviously, uh, we were talking about Ben earlier. Uh, what was it like once you got to go out later uh, in life and follow him around uh, on uh, tour? We, well, it, uh, I had, let's see, he was – he played on the tour 98, 99, 01, and 02. Well, I've retired January the 1st, 1999. I went, we went to his first tournament at Pebble Beach was his first tournament. And my, me and uh, your mama and, uh, and uh, Louise, and uh, Angie Harrell, uh, I think. Uh, anyway, it was me. That was uh, that was uh, that was four me and four women went to uh, went. We drove <laughs> to to Atlanta, and in my old red van, and uh, got tickets. And we was we saved a pile of money by doing that. Uh, and and uh, got tickets to uh, San Francisco and round trip tickets, and uh, we got in San Francisco. We rented a car and drove down to uh, the peninsula, Pebble Beach, and and Ben and Ben had rented us a house, rented everybody a, rented a house, and we all stayed in that house, and which was right there on the peninsula i've forgotten exactly where it was now but uh and we stayed there and uh the on the last day 
of the term on the Sunday, it was uh, it rained cats and dogs. I mean, it flooded, and they called the tournament off. They didn't. They never did have a start. Well, they played a, some of them played a few holes, but they never did have enough of them start to to count it. So they they washed out the last day and postponed it until later on in the summer. And anyway, we all got wet, and uh, and this was, I'll say, uh, noon time, and we had already checked out of that house, and so we didn't have, we were all wet. And what? And we were not going to fly home until almost midnight. And uh, so we went down to we 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 spent the rest of the day going places and going to uh, Pier Thirteen or Pier something or another out there. I forgot Pier Twenty Nine, I believe it's called. And anyway. And mm-hmm. we we finally got back to Atlanta, and we we had maybe dried out a little bit, but uh, we were still <laughs> we were still we didn't sleep any <laughs> on the plane hardly, and it you know it didn't take but what maybe three four hours to fly back, but it was uh, and then it was when we got back it was uh, ten o'clock in the morning in in Atlanta, or whatever. And then we had to drive home, and that was a we were we had to take turns driving to get somebody to have to, that could stay awake. And anyway, that was a great great experience. Uh, and Ben played Ben, and uh, yeah, y'all did quite did, a bit of that and, uh, through the years. But that was now I was still working then. That was in '98, but after. 99, in 99, I went to a lot of his tournaments, and uh, Louise retired in November. I retired in January, and she retired in November. So after November, after November 99, which would have been the year 2000 and the 2001, we went to we went to lots of tournaments, lots of them, and enjoyed every bit of it. And, and we got to meet with with a lot of we got to meet a lot of the players and uh, and most I'd say now almost I'd say ninety nine percent of the the tour players are first class people. I couldn't couldn't want them to be any better. Maybe a hundred percent, but I, I some of the some of the ones that weren't I never did meet. Maybe. <laughs> I think that back during those years were some of the years when I really got hooked on golf because we'd load up in that big red van during the summertime and travel around the country we, and go watch Ben play all we together, did. big family outings. And we did. Those were, we those did. were a lot of fun. We, one of the best ones we used to go to was in Memphis, Tennessee. That was a good one. Yeah, you, you, We went there, there more than one time. You did, I think. Yeah, We did, yeah, yeah. We went to Memphis. We went to that yeah. one they used to have at Callaway Gardens. Went to the yeah. one they had That's in Atlanta right. up there yep. at the Bell South out there. And um, let's see, went to uh, went to yep. that one down at Tampa one time. Yep. Um, 
went quite a we went and then the big trip we took that year was that summer we drove out to Tulsa yep, and went and watched him right. play in the US that's Open. Right. That was a great trip. That was a yep. quite quite the that adventure. Was a great trip. Yep. Um you know, those years I got I got pretty hooked on it and you know, me and uh Hilton got hooked on it and uh our neighbor over there, Dooner, got hooked on it pretty good and then before long we were all in all in high school and you were retired and you took up the mantle coaching us yep, all on the I golf enjoyed team the, up those there. about five years that I did that. And uh I would have probably kept doing it except I got to the point I didn't like to drive at night and uh the van that van full of full of kids and uh I didn't want to take a chance on something happening me having a wreck and killing half of them or something. But uh, anyway, that's that was the reason I quit, is because of, of having to drive home at night. What uh, what was what were some of your favorite things about driving all us around in the van all those long? I think long it was uh, probably listening to all the stuff y'all were saying and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Y'all or something else. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. I tell you, I of all the things I miss, I, I miss those those days in that van driving yeah. all over North Florida to golf matches and, and with those boys. That was, yeah, that was an we, awful lot of we fun. Always ate, we, we always ate after the golf match somewhere. And that was the reason <laughs> that was the reason we had to drive home at night was because we ate I might could have gotten home before dark otherwise but anyway we always had to had to get chicken strips and that was john duna john duna always had to have chicken strips yeah <laughs> we ate a lot of, we oh, ate yeah. a lot of yard birds uh after True. golf matches there's no doubt um you know and you talked about when you retired they they gave you free golf for life out there in havana and you play uh four days a week still. Um, what do you, what do you love the most about the game of golf to make you play that much? Probably the people I play with. Probably the people I play with. Uh, it's, it's a lot of, uh, good friendship and comradeship and whatever. Uh, and of course I like, I enjoy, uh, uh, we all put five bucks in the pot and I enjoy it when I play good enough to win some of it. <laughs> but, uh, I don't, I don't, uh, if, if we didn't do anything but just play and, and I'd still enjoy it. I, I like to, I like to play the course. I like, I like making making one, a 30-foot putt that, that breaks 12 feet, 10 or 12 feet, which we got some of those out there. And uh, that's, that's one, of the, one of the things I enjoy is, is making a long putt. <laughs> How would you describe that golf course to somebody that's never it's, been uh, out there? It's, it's a short course. But the uh, greens, the greens make it a good course. 
you can I can they can put the uh, pins in places on 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 all the greens, and you might you might can hit it. Somebody might can hit it three hundred yards, but they still got to get it in the hole. And some of those most of those greens are you can put the the uh, pin in a place where they they'll have trouble. So it's a good course. Um, why do you think that, you know, people really love it out there? They really love, you know, that golf course and the, and the people and, you know, for a small town, I mean, you know, only what, a couple thousand people living in Havana and the whole place seems pretty eat up with golf for a long time. Why do you think that is? Um, I'm not sure. Uh, it's, it's one of the best, well, it's because uh it there's a we've got we've got four days a week we've got what we call the gangsum and i i invented the gangsum years ago and if you want to play on those days you can call in and say put me on the list and they don't have to have a foursome or get down foursome or anything like that all they got to do is show up and the the pro will make up the teams, make up the foursomes for them, and so it's it's so easy. I mean, you you can decide on the spur of the moment that you want to play golf, and you'll have somebody to play with. And if you don't want to play that day, you you don't call in. That's probably the, one of the things that makes it um, popular. What, um... What are some of your favorite memories from playing golf? Your own memories of playing the game of golf that, um, you know, that maybe you think about from time to time. Well, uh, I can remember a group. Uh, there was four of us. There was uh, Ken Markham and uh, Barry Ottinger and Fred Shelfer and me went on a trip to Atlanta to play a new golf course up there. At that time, it was called River Bend. I don't know what it's probably, I'm sure it's still there, and it was probably called something else. Anyway, we were up there, and uh, and the, the last hole was a par five, and uh, it was water in front of the green you had to hit over water to get on the green and uh barry uh, it was uh ken and i and barry playing barry and fred and there was a wells fargo man that was the the the, the uh what do you call them the, mm, the yeah that patrols the course and keeps everything going anyway and uh Barry had hit a good a good drive, and uh, he asked the Wells Fargo man. He said, "Can you hit the green from here?" <laughs> he said, "I do," and so that was all Barry had to do. I had to know here, and uh, anyway, and he went for it and went in the water, and they were one up on us. I think we had all the bets fresh and everything, and uh, I had had laid up near the green and uh i hit 
onto the green and, and made birdie and we won the hole and won the, <laughs> won the dollars. <laughs> anyway, at, at the Wells Fargo man, and uh, we talked about that for a long time, the four of us, when, whenever we'd see each other, but remembering the Wells Fargo man <laughs> that, that let us win. Yeah, you're talking about some of those, those guys, the old-timers in Havana that played out there for decades. Um, who were some of your favorite people that, that played golf out there? One of the, you know, story, you know, you used to always tell me stories about old, uh, Bill Peterson, the old football coach used to come play out there a month. Oh yeah. Yeah. He was, a Bill was a member there his last years of life. And, uh, I understand that, uh, well, one time Bill was, uh, there was, and it was not one of the gang some days. It, there was a, a group getting ready to play, and Bill was in his car turning in the in the driveway, and he hollered, "Wait for me!" And somebody hollered back, says, "We already got a threesome." <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he didn't get the joke. <laughs> but uh, but Bill uh, Bill gave showed me a, a ball one time that was a orange colored ball. And he said, look at this ball. He said, you can't lose it. And, uh, he says, colored like that said, you can't lose it. I said, where'd you get it, Bill? He said, I found it over there on number seven. in the rough. <laughs> <laughs> So apparently you can lose it, <laughs> but he had some good, he had a lot of good sayings. He, uh, I understand he told somebody in his office one day that uh, they asked about a good place, a good restaurant, and uh, he said, I don't know. He said, nobody goes to the Silver <laughs> Slipper anymore. It's too crowded. <laughs> uh, uh, he was a sport. That same trip to Atlanta, we watched Hank Aaron hit a home run that night and uh went to went to, went to the Braves game. And uh, that was that was uh, big in my memories is yeah. watching him hit a home run. That must have been pretty cool. Um and I remember you had some stories about going to the Masters a couple times uh back when was that? Back in the sixties, I guess. We we went there in sixty four and then I took being there on a Friday and I think that was in 78 or 79, just a one day. But we went all four days in 64. My brother-in-law and sister lived in Augusta, and they he was going to med school, and he, he got us some tickets. And uh, we went in 64. Hogan was playing in 64, and we got to watch him warm up. And uh, he started out with his wedges and he kept moving his caddy back and his caddy was catching those balls in his hat. That's, I mean, he, that's how, how accurate he was. And eventually he was catching them on first bounce and all the way to the, until he was hitting the driver and it was all the way out to a hedgerow out there with his, it's where he was hitting the driver to. And he was still catching them on first bounce. And that was That's something incredible. to watch. 
Um, yep. What What do you think the best round of golf you ever played was? Um, hmm. Well, I've had oh, at Havana. I have had several thirties on nine holes, but uh, but the best uh, total score I think that I ever had was maybe hmm. sixty four. But I had lots of thirties. I had I I probably had shot thirty out there. Six or eight times. Well, nowadays, uh, you're uh, you're gunning for your age out there four days a week, and I'd say you probably you probably hit it about what sixty seventy yeah, percent of the time. <laughs> I do probably do. I guess it'll get a little yeah, bit easier uh, tomorrow, won't it? <laughs> uh, yeah, it will. If but it, if it. Uh, if it don't rain tomorrow, it's raining now here now. Started tell me, uh, tell me about the, uh, the way you play the game now as someone who's uh, almost eighty-seven. Uh, well, one thing I uh, about a year ago I started uh, using tees wherever <laughs> I, wherever I want to. If I want to use a tee, I put a tee under it because I have to hit the driver quite a bit. And uh, if I got your telephone, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, anyway, I have to hit the driver quite a bit. So uh, uh, I most a lot of holes out there I can't reach into, but not right now. When the when it gets a little summertime and it gets drier i'd be able may be able to reach them with two drivers <laughs> i but i hit a driver about 160 yards now and i hit uh, my my 100 yard club is a seven iron and uh about 10 yards between clubs i guess I, i'd say Anyway, that's the way you like. You you like to use that flat stick quite a bit. Oh yeah, if I'm near the green, I'll I'll use the putter. If I if I'm, but later on, I mean, and and now is the time when when that's hard to do, because we've overseeded the uh, area around the greens, and that's that's like (laughs) Velcro almost. (laughs) Now grab your balls. But I, uh, I, I like to chip with an eight iron because I can, uh, just, and and swing it like about like a putter. And uh, if I carry it halfway, it'll roll the other half. Usually, I mean that's about the way I try to do it. That's what I chip with is an eight iron, and. Uh, I can use. I can usually get it up there, inside the, the, the three feet. Now, what what is uh, if if you were going to tell somebody the number one thing that an eighty-seven year old golfer could teach a uh, a golfer of of any other age, particularly younger golfers, what would that be? Don't try to hit it hard. Swing, swing smooth and slowly. 
and try to develop some rhythm and don't try to kill it. Uh, uh, you, uh, I remember a long time ago hitting, uh, laying up on a hole maybe with a five iron. And uh, I'd say, well, I don't need to hit, really hit this. And I'd swing smooth and easy and it'd wind up in the water. Because that that's when that's the ones that that are the the mo the, the the you you got a better chance of hitting it on the sweet spot and and the, and you got a better chance of of the club hitting the ball at its maximum speed of the, of the swings. That's a pretty good lesson, I'd say. Yeah, I can I, hear your I'd voice whispering that to me quite often when I'm uh, having a hard time on the golf course still. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, yeah. I know you probably need to need to go. My mom's over there and uh, got you a new stove you need to get set up. Uh, and I got to get home to to my girls. Um, I'll uh, Maybe we can wind it up here in a second. But I will say this. You talk about you know, some of those lessons. Um Every time I go onto the golf course, um, you're right there with me. I hear you. And I remember all those lessons you've taught me through the years and whether it was, you know, on the driving range as a kid or sitting in there working in the pro shop with you or, um, or riding in that van late night coming home from the golf matches. And that's the best gift anybody ever gave me. And, and, and I, I, I think about you and I, I think about golf every day and, it's it's made my life a a really good thing um and i i I love you and it's i'm i'm glad you got another candle on the cake this year and i I can't wait to put the next one on with you next year well golf made my (laughs) life too still making it (laughs) yeah um well that's a good a good way to make a living and a, a good way to live uh live life i think um i agree well, Gramps, I always love catching up with you. Love talking with you, and thanks for sharing a few stories with me and everybody that'll be listening into this later on. Well, good. I, I'm, I, ho- I hope I hope I didn't I mess did it a, up. A, too a bad. brilliant job. We'll uh, we'll make a habit of it. We'll do it again on the 88th birthday. How about that? <laughs> All right, sounds All right. good to me. We'll hit them good tomorrow. Hopefully, you get out there, and uh, I'll uh, I'll give you a ring later on this week. To see what's going on. All right. Love you. Okay. Bye-bye. Love you. Bye-bye.